Good morning, everyone. I'm going to be reading from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. The whole armor of God. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body of armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. This is the word of the Lord. So it's great to have Teresa sharing with us again this morning. We'll just, just pray for you, Teresa. Thank you, Father God, for your servant, Teresa, and for the way you've been preparing her over the last weeks. Um, just ask that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit is saying. Amen. Is it on now? Yeah, that makes a difference. <laughs> One little button. <laughs> Sorry about that. What I was saying was, weren't the songs beautiful this morning? So powerful in their words. And I really felt as we were listening to them, I didn't need to preach. We just keep singing those songs. <laughs> but indeed I will, because I've prepared something for you. We're coming to the end of our time in Ephesians. And would you believe this is the sixth, uh, the twelfth sermon that we've had on Ephesians over the last 12 weeks? This is the last, well not quite the last, next week will be a sort of a summing up of what we have learnt and um, some of the people in our congregation next week will be sharing what, we, what they have learnt over the last 12 weeks in Ephesians. So since Luke left in early August, we've had an incredible array of speakers opening up this wonderful book of the New Testament. Today, like I said, we come to Ephesians 6 verses 10 to 18. And as Luke asked right from the beginning, that there would be a therefore, what does this, what does this sermon mean, sum up in a word or a few, a few words. So today's therefore is stand firm, just like our, um, our songs told us this morning. Stand firm, not only stand firm, but grow and mature as Jesus' followers. So this message this morning is for you, if you're a follower of Jesus, for each one of us who is a follower of Jesus. Ephesians is actually broken into two very specific parts. You might have noticed that. You might not have noticed that over the last 12 weeks. In the first three chapters, Paul tells us the gospel story. 
how forgiveness and grace is offered to us from Christ and how God's plan is to have one family of people restored and unified in Jesus. His, de is, his desire is for us to know and experience the power of Jesus in our lives. And we've heard over the past few weeks what Jesus has done for us and who we are in him. It's been a great reminder. I know I've been really blessed to be reminded of who we are in Christ. The second part of the book of Ephesians is in chapters 4 to 6, where Paul tells us how this gospel story that he told earlier should affect how we live out our new lives in Christ. We're challenged to take off the old humanity and to put on the new, which is being restored. For we are, he reminds us, unified and united under one spirit, both Jews and Gentiles. We are gifted with many gifts which should be used to love and to serve each other. And then Andrea and Sarah have shared over the last two weeks and she talked about how our relationships with each other and with others should reflect this new life that we have in Christ. So it's all good news, right? Mm -hmm. Really good news, right? Mm -hmm. few, few of you are nodding. <laughs> So continuing from last week, we start at chapter 6, verse 10 to 12, and it reads, I think it reads, oh, it's down here, I can see it. There are a few hiccups with the overhead, so you may have some, we may not. A final word, be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all of God's armour so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies and tricks of the devil. For we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. So continuing from last week, Paul reminds us of the reality of spiritual evil, how beings and forces will try to undermine the unity of God's people and compromise this new humanity that God's given us. Yes, it's an unseen battle that you and I are engaged in every single day. A fight for your heart and mind. A fight for my heart and mind. Sometimes we might feel it, sometimes we mightn't, but it is there every single day. We are in a fight. And in case you haven't thought about it, let me assure you that verse 12 is real. It is not something that happened once and doesn't happen anymore. I'm not saying that we all should all start seeing demons and wicked spirits in our midst and flying demons on the backs of people in the local spirit, a supermarket. Some people might have that spiritual gift, but most of us don't, thankfully. But... The most dangerous place that we could find ourselves is to not believe that these verses in scripture are so. From the temptation of Adam to 11.40 nearly, on the 25th of October 2020, which is right now, God's chosen people have faced an enemy and still do. It's an unseen battle that you and I are engaged in every single day. But if we belong to Jesus through faith, it's a battle we're always fighting but conquering. It's neither something to fear 
for we know that Jesus has conquered. Think of a time that you've been challenged with your faith. Think of what's got you through. Has it been God's promise to you, God's truth? I'm actually not going to go into proof of the battle and provide an exposition of the devil. I don't want to give him any credence. Rather, I want to focus on us and what these passages instruct us to do and what they remind us. God wants us to understand the true nature of the conflict we're in, no doubt. He wants us to know that there is a father of lies who keeps people from God's truth and trapped in the path of death. Spiritual warfare is not something separate or added to the Christian life. It's actually part of the life that we live as Christians. And the schemes of the devil are designed to tempt us with lies of this world and only be hearers of the word and not doers. And how many times do we fail from doing the word of God, from doing what God calls us to do? He tries to tempt you to forget the grace of God in Jesus and the power of the gospel. And how many times do we think we are weak and that the grace of God is far from us? Paul urges us to be strong in the Lord. Not our strength, but God's strength. And that's an important place to remember. The strength... I'm sorry about the overheads. There's something wrong with the computer and Martin is fearlessly working down there trying to fix it. I can see the grin, grimace on his face. <laughs> Paul urges us to be strong in the Lord, not our strength. If it doesn't work, Martin, just turn it off. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I think it might be some of that spiritual battle we're talking about, but I'm standing firm. <laughs> not in our strength, but in God's strength. And the strength we need to stand no matter what comes against us has been given to us because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. So why? Why do we then attempt to live in our own strength when things go wrong, when we're struggling? Why do we try and fix things ourselves when we have the power of God himself available to us? Maybe that's just my weakness, but I think we all have that weakness sometimes to think that we can do it ourselves. When God's strength is right there, right beside us, God's strength is our armour for the battle. Just as sanitizer, social distancing, elbow shakes and border closures are sort of our armour for COVID. It's a silent enemy too. God uses the, the scenario of armour for battle for us. You know, just yesterday... I was having lunch with some friends and one of my friends is a school teacher, has been for many years in the northern suburbs and we got to talking about COVID and she was sharing with me that she has one family in her class of students who have got two beautiful girls, both very, very talented children. In fact, one of them is in the extra program for really smart kids. She is so fearful of COVID, even in Perth that she only takes her children to school one day a week because she's too scared to go out the door any other day. Who wins the battle there? What does fear do? We spoke about fear overcoming. As we sung that song, I was reminded of her and just what fear can do with COVID. But fear can come in other ways. It'll come in and it'll seep into our lives and it'll 
call us to scurry back into our tra tracks and hide into those dark places. But God's strength is our armour for living the Christian life. And putting on the armour is about putting on the new self that we've talked about for the last 11 weeks, particularly in Chapter 4. And we need to practice putting on this armour not just once, but every single day. It's common understanding that a soldier is not better than his equipment, right? Perhaps that is why so many countries in this world spend enormous amounts of money on military equipment. Some even go so far as to parade it for the world to see. And if you'd watched the news a few weeks ago, you would have seen that in one particular country. Putting on the armour of God is the same as putting on the new self that God has given us. It's about claiming who we are. Paul's not telling the Ephesians to get some spiritual equipment that they lack. He's telling them and he's telling us to use the resources that we already have. It's there. God equips them, the Ephesians, and he equips us fully. And that is how we stand. God wants us to know that we're blessed with the best equipment any army in history has ever known. The image that Paul gives us in these passages would have been really familiar to every person in the Ephesian church because soldiers were very, very common. He's, he's describing the ordinary, average Roman soldier. There he is. Pretty fearsome looking, isn't he? <laughs> Noteworthy that this is not the armour of the super soldier, but the common run-of-the-mill soldier of the day. Paul uses their armour to teach us about how we need to dress for battle every day. You and I, everyday Christians, to fight the battle every day. The purpose of taking up and putting on the armour of God is simply to stand firm to defend the ground that's already been won for us by Jesus. We're not claiming any new ground. We're just standing firm on what Jesus has already done. God tells us simply to resist, but to do that we need the whole armour of God. Not just one piece, but the whole armour of God. So let's discover what this armour is and how we can put it on, because it is actually incredibly good imagery that we can still use today. Well, firstly, there's the girdle of truth. Now, the girdle was a waistband that encircled the waist and it actually served to stabilise the body because the soldiers wore skirts underneath. As you can see, the soldier's wearing a skirt underneath. And it gave the soldier a place to hitch up his garments and to keep them out of the way so that his feet wouldn't trip and he wouldn't be hindered as he walked along or ran along. For us, it refers to knowing the truth of the Bible. Jesus promised that the truth had the power to make us free, and it does. We're not here because we feel like it or because Sunday makes us feel good to come to church. Hopefully we're here because we have heard the truth and the promise that Jesus has set us free in John 8, 32. We're to walk in the truth. 
And Paul is encouraging us to remember the importance of spiritual maturity that he talked about in chapter 4 of Ephesians. The breastplate of righteousness. The Roman soldier wore a leather body armour to protect the vital organs. So it sort of came across here, protected the vital organs, particularly the heart. For the believer... It refers to the righteousness that is ours through Christ. I don't know about you, but before I came to know Christ, my righteousness was like filthy rags. I thought I was great. I thought I was doing okay. But I wasn't. I was nothing compared to the righteousness of Christ. And the breastplate of righteousness reminds us of what Christ has done for us. It guards our hearts and protects us from the slings and the arrows. Reminds us of our right standing in Christ. The shoes of peace. Do you know the soldiers wore sandals that actually had nails driven through the tops into the bottoms to provide a sure footing. That way the, the nail part was, as they walked, walked into the ground and it would make sure that they didn't slip and that they were always grounded. Pretty clever, wasn't it? But great imagery. For us, it's a reminder that we're to be grounded in the things of God. We need to know what we believe and why so that we're on a firm foundation. A sure-footed stand would serve to give us peace in the battles of life. So when things come against us and when we're tossed and turned, if we've got good anchors on our feet, we're not going to be blushed around. We're not going to be blown away, but we're going to be standing firm in who we are in Christ. The shield of faith refers to a large rectangular shield made of leather, actually. I was quite surprised when I did the research. I thought you know, it was going to be this big, strong metal shield that's actually made of leather. And the reason why it is, is because the soldiers would actually soak it in water. And then when they held it up, when the enemy struck fiery darts at them, it would hit the shield and it would just dissipate because it wouldn't burn the shield, wouldn't hurt them, because it would, the fire would just go out. Our shield is faith that is able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. All those things that come at us to tell us that we're not who we are, that we're useless, that um, we can't get through this. All these things that trip us, that come at us in our journey in life, that try and turn us to the left or the right, they're all there. But we just need that shield of faith to hold up in front of us, that shield soaked in the water of God's word where we can just hold it up and the darts can be dissipated. The helmet of salvation to protect the brain and the mind. This one is the one that I struggle with most in my journey. I struggle to believe who I am in Christ. I struggle to not to think that I'm useless, that I can't. There are things that come at me all the time and fear come at me so often. They're things I was born with, I think. But they're not truth. They're not God's truth. 
Salvation provides the helmet that is necessary to protect our minds and mind from the attacks of the enemy. And we need to remember what the Lord did for us when he saved us by grace. For me, I need to remember when I think I'm a failure that God doesn't see me like that. It's me that sees me like that. When I do things wrong and I think that I've hurt people, I may have, but God simply tells me that he loves me and I need to remember that. So these five pieces of armour are designed to defend us, to keep us safe. And we need to remember that they're there. The last two, the first two are defend, defensive parts of armour. The last two are actually offensive parts of the weaponry that allow us to strike back when attacked. And sometimes people can get very um, caught up in the offensive weapons and can start wheeling things around. <laughs> but we simply remember, firstly, to stand firm, know who we are. The sword of the spirit. A common soldier carried a short, straight sword that was effective in hand-to-hand -hand combat. And our sword is the word of God and enables us to conquer in every battle we face. So it's essential for us to know God's word in order to use it. And I'm reminded very clearly, remember Jesus' journey in the wilderness, where he sat in the desert, and Satan tempted him time and time again about what he could do for him and how he could rescue him in the desert. Jesus' answer was simply to speak the word of God back at him. How much do we need to know the word of God? Do we need to know God's truth? We need to bury ourselves in God's word, soak ourselves in it. I know I'm not the best person for reading the Bible. I try my best, but I'm not a very good person at actually being diligent in God's word. But I find for me what I do have is an amazing array of songs in my heart, in my mind. I remember the songs that we sing and I quite often during the week find myself singing away <laughs> at, what, um, at what we've sung all week and then I stop and I listen to the words that I'm singing and I think, wow, they're God's truth. They're really God's truth and I'm speaking them as I sing them along. And I think, you know, I always pick up one song every week. I think I'll be singing all next week. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. <laughs> I can just hear myself all week, reminding myself of who I am. So thanks, Sarah. Thanks, music team. There's always one verse that sticks, but, but it's meant to. It's God's reminder to me of um, who I am in Christ. So for those of you who aren't bookworms, stick your head in God's music in worship. Play it on the CDs. Play it in your hearts. Put verses on your fridge wherever you need to, to remind yourself of who you are. We have a little plaque on our front door that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It was actually placed there 30 years ago when we first built the house. Ironically, we've just sold our house and um, I tried to remove the plaque a few weeks ago because I thought it might offend any person that was going to come through the house, but it wouldn't come off. I actually couldn't get it off. So I thought, what do I do, Lord? I don't want to offend people. 
So uh, I went down to things and I found this new park. I can't remember what it says. I should look it up. But it said something about a happy home and welcoming. And I stuck it on the front of it with blue tack. The new buyer might get a bit of a shock when they move in one day and remove it. <laughs> because underneath it says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Or maybe I'll just move it before we move. I'm not sure. <laughs> but we remind ourselves of the word of God. Place it anywhere, on a pencil, in a notebook. Remind us of who we are in Christ. And in verse 18 it says, Pray at all times, on every occasion. Not just pray, but pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. So not just for ourselves, but for all Christians everywhere. Our last weapon might not seem like a weapon at all, but it certainly is. And I have seen the power of prayer in my life and in other people's lives over and over again. I once had a... Um, what did I call it? I had issues with my gallbladder and I was in furious pain, excruciatingly pain. pain. It was about to burst and I was at a prayer meeting and the person at the front said, come up to the front if anybody's in pain and pray. Well, I went up to the front and I can tell you I skipped back to my chair because the pain was gone. And then two days later I had to ring my doctor and tell him that I was cancelling the surgery because I no longer needed it. Thankfully he was a Christian, but he sort of shook his head and said, yes, love, ring me in two years' time when you need the surgery and you're still in pain. It took me three years before it developed again and I rung him and told him that he could do the surgery <laughs> and he was absolutely stunned but the power of prayer is real might not seem like a weapon but it is how powerful is the spirit of God in chapter 3 and verse 16 in Ephesians Paul used the word dunamos to describe the power of the Holy Spirit not just the power of the Holy Spirit but the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Do you know this is the same word that we get the word today, dynamite. So would the power of dynamite help us to fight the battle? I think so. So if it doesn't help you to understand, let me put it another way. The Holy Spirit within us, within you and me, the same Holy Spirit that performed miracles and raised Jesus from the dead, is within us. I don't think you can get any more powerful than that. That's the power of our God in us. And we're not to forget that or take it mildly. In military terms, because God was talking about soldiers, we have the advantage of direct communication with our commanding officer, not just now and then, but at all times. The greatest weapon we have is to call on the Lord when we are in the thick of the battle. Prayer brings us into the presence of God and unleashes the power of God. And Paul tells us in verse 18 to tap into this power, to pray at all times and on every occasion. So don't try and fix things ourselves. Pray, stand, ask God and use the power of prayer not just for yourselves, but for believers everywhere. Now, perhaps this is the time when I should remind you
that we've been trying for many months now to establish a regular intercessory prayer group here at the Billabong. So if you're interested in exercising the power of God within you, in prayer not just for yourselves, but for others in our community, then talk with me later, because it's really important that we do that. Perhaps the Holy Spirit's prompting you this morning, and I really urge you to, to join us in that. There is nothing more powerful than praying friends together. And believe me, I've had some tough times over the last few months, but I've had a few really good friends in this community who have prayed me through. And I have really appreciated their prayer support. One thing I'd like to note is that we all need to wear this full armour of God. Verse 13, right in the very beginning, stated that we need every piece of the armour, not just one or two, every piece. All of these pieces are linked with one another and they are all ours because Jesus died for us in order for us to receive them. So we don't just need a particular piece of armour, we need the whole armour of God daily. Living the Christian life is living in spiritual war. We can expect the devil to attack us, and he does. Not with weapons we can see, but by tempting us to sin, by deceiving us, by discouraging us and accusing us. If he can get us to sin, we're on the path of destruction. If he can deceive us, we will not serve him or share the good news to others. And we need that. We need that in this world. We can resist his attacks and know that nothing stands a chance against our powerful God. Our God is the one whose voice controls the very creation we live in. So today, I'm not just going to preach the word in Ephesians. I'm going to ask you all to stand and place on ourselves the armour of God that I've been talking about for these last 20 minutes or so. I've written a specific prayer for, for us to speak out. So I'm not just going to pray it, we're going to speak it over ourselves. So if you'd like to join with me and stand, and hopefully this overhead, thank you Lord, will stay still so that we can read it long enough. So let's pray together aloud. I place on myself the belt of truth. Thank you, Lord, that truth has the power to make us free. Help us, Lord, to be stable. Protect us from being tripped up in the battles of life. I place on myself the breastplate of righteousness. We thank you that you declare us righteous. Protect our hearts and help us, Lord, to practice righteousness as a habit for life. I place on myself the gospel of peace. In you, Lord, we are grounded and sure. Your word says that great peace have those who love you, Lord. Help us to know what we believe and why, so that we'll be on a firm foundation when the battle comes against us. I place on myself the shield of faith. Shield us from all the fiery darts of the enemy and never fail us or expose us. May we stand in the battle, knowing we have the victory, regardless of what we face. I place, oops, we've got the next one, the helmet of salvation. No. Nope. Okay, let me read it. Oh, here we go. 
I place on myself the helmet of salvation. Thank you, Lord, for the protection of our minds from the attacks of the enemy. May we never forget that you have done for us. I take the sword of the Spirit. Lord, teach and soak your word into our minds. When we are faced with difficulties, bring your words of truth to mind in order for us to see the enemy sliced to shreds. We commit ourselves to prayer. Lord, help us to engage in the power of your Holy Spirit, to pray at all times and for all occasions, for both ourselves and for others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. you be seated. Perhaps you're wondering, as, as I've spoken this morning, what this is all about. Perhaps you're not sure that you have a firm foundation in who Christ is. Perhaps you're not really sure that Jesus has done all of this for you. If that's the case, I would urge you to come and talk to myself or Aaron or any, anyone else, really, to share with them so that we can pray for you, so that you can know and know and know who you are in Christ. And if you are struggling, ask somebody to pray with you and for you because we're not in this alone. We all face struggles, but we're all here for one another. That's why we come every Sunday, not just to hear the word of God to be strengthened, but to strengthen each other. So may God bless you as we stand firm in who he has. And may we be victorious in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you sing? <laughs>